everyone and welcome back to Journalist Talk. Today we have Aaron Bender here as a guest and he is a podcaster, professor and news anchor also. So he usually tells people's stories and here I am today to interview you about your story. <laughs> so you, yeah, of course, welcome. And I would like to know if you can give us a brief biography about yourself. Oh, brief. Uh, that's usually not a word associated with me. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not really ever brief, but I'll try. I'll try, just for you. The floor is yours. Yes, okay. So, uh, born in Central California. No, no. <laughs> you know, I actually have to go back to, just in terms of professionally, I have to go back to my days in junior college, Mount San Antonio College in Walnut, right down the street from Cal Poly Pomona. And I was a business major. First, I was a history major, and I was falling asleep in my first history class. And I said, okay, well, if this is going to be what it's like, <laughs> then this is not for me. And then I took a couple of years of business classes because, and this is kind of a silly reason, but I was, I, I mean, I was, I was kind of lost as to what I wanted to do. And I liked working in an office. So I'm like, Ooh, a business degree. That sounds good. I'll, I'll go work in an office. And uh, it, just, it just didn't really click. It just did not really work. And I was all set to go to Cal State Fullerton on a business degree or a marketing major. And literally the night before I was to start there, I withdrew from all my classes, continued at Mount Sac. And I've told this story before on, on my podcasts and, and on the air. Um, I just sat there in my mom's kitchen with the college catalog from Mount Sac and said, what would be interesting? What would be fun? And radio just kind of popped out at me, broadcasting and radio. And so I started taking classes there. I actually had as a professor, one of your previous guests, Tammy Trujillo, who is uh, the news director at Cal State Northridge, the radio program there, or here, I guess. I can, I, I'm allowed to say here. Okay, we're in the yes. studio right now, Yes, we're, we're in the studio. <laughs> and I fell in love with radio, fell in love with news. I, two years later, went to Cal State Northridge, got my degree, started work in Fresno, start, and then transferred to Miami, or moved to Miami, and then with uh, the company that I was with at the time, transferred to KFI here in Los Angeles. Worked there for... Uh, gosh, a dozen years. During that time that I was in LA, or am in LA, working for that station, I, I, I met my wife, we have two daughters. I started teaching at Cal State Northridge, which I always wanted to come back to CSUN and, um, and teach. And this is not an advertisement for CSUN, okay? <laughs> I know you're a student, I was a student, I'm now a professor. But some of my favorite professors were working professionals, people who would just bring home scripts or bring to the class scripts from the station. That, you know, I, just, I just read this newscast today. Here it is. That always just seemed so uh, fascinating to me and appealing and exciting. It was just, it was really exciting. And, and so uh, I, I stepped away from radio a few years ago, I now focus on podcasting, but mainly being a dad since the passing of my wife a couple of years ago, and um, and then just teaching here at uh, at CSUN. Yeah. That's a very brief biography. Yeah. It is brief. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. What, what are we That's at? Uh, three version. minutes and 58 seconds? Okay, yeah, that is the short version. Short yes. version, yeah. <laughs> and, well, you said um, you do a lot of stuff still, and... How do you manage to be a professor, a news anchor, a podcaster, a full-time dad also? Yeah. I will say that I didn't always have the 
I didn't always have the best time management skills. And because a lot of it was like, oh, I could totally multitask, right? I can do all these things. Oh, absolutely. And then, no, my, my wife actually was the one who was like, hey, um, you should totally slow down because you're not very good at doing more than one thing <laughs> at a time. And you need somebody like that in your life to just like, hey, you know. Um, and, and so once I realized that I, I could only really be in one place at one time, I cannot be anywhere else. And so I just try to give... 100 wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. So for example, I actually just joined this recruiting firm uh, in, in helping place uh, people in open positions at various companies. It just depends on who's hiring us. So it's like Mondays and Thursdays, I teach uh, at CSUN and I give 100 while I'm here. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, uh, while the girls are at school, I give 100 to the recruiting and or if I'm doing a podcast that day, I give 100. And so it really is so important to just realize and accept. That's It's not so much the realizing, but the accepting. Mm-hmm. I can only be in one place at one time. I can only be one person, you know. And the idea that we can multitask effectively, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if I would rather give 100 to one thing than try to give 50% to two things, understanding that you're not even going to reach 50% yeah. on either of those two things because it's just, it's it's impossible. Yeah. And with all of this in your mind, how did you come up with the idea of doing a podcast? Um, well, I, I, did, I did my first podcast in 2019. I felt like it was effective in sharing other people's stories. And, you know, and there's no harm in that, but there wasn't for me, there wasn't as fulfilling as the podcast I'm, I, I started last year, and I, I still do on occasion. I got a little burned out. I will I will say that I, I just did too much in a short amount of time. I think there was one time I edited 15 episodes in three weeks, oh my. and they're all about an hour long, and that's just that's too much. And not just audio, but also video, and it was just too much. But one of the reasons I really enjoy this podcast is that. I share a lot of my story as well, and that encourages and it, it, people to share theirs. It helps create this safe space for people to share their stories and to maybe share things that they either don't talk about publicly or they just maybe they just never realize themselves. And so, in talking it out and having a conversation rather than just, you know, almost like a biographical interview, mm-hmm. but having a conversation and sharing your story encourages other people to share theirs and that's what i that's personally that's what i get out of it yeah that's basically what i was talking to professor tammy Tohio in the other episode that it's so different interviewing my professors mm-hmm. because we discover another layer of their lives yeah yes like she told me so much in the podcast or when i listen to her podcast me listening to yours mm-hmm. and talking to you it's such a different layer that students and professors mm-hmm. like it's kind of crossing it it's very interesting you know we we don't have time in our classes to really dive into a lot of what makes us who we are as professors and certainly don't have the time to get into what makes each student mm-hmm. you know who they yeah. are but that's actually for me that's the most exciting and fascinating thing about doing a podcast is that you have unlimited you know to a certain degree. We're not Joe Rogan where we can get away with a five-hour podcast, but you know, you can really kind of dive into some topics that you otherwise wouldn't be able to really get into 
in like if you're on the air and you have an eight minute segment mm -hmm. before the next commercial break, you really can't dive into much. You just kind of yeah. scratch the surface and move on. Podcasting, you know, just honestly, and just conversations doesn't even have to be a podcast, but just conversations where you share your vulnerability and you you open up to somebody, understanding that it's a safe space to do so. Yeah. And also, like, as regular people and journalists, we know people have bad days sometimes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes this kind of reflects in the interview. Would you say that all of your interviews became, like, good podcasts or you made sound like it? Or <laughs> it, was, it was just like, I have to never publish this one or yeah. re-interview someone there was a couple of people and I, i won't necessarily mention who they were but it was it was a conversation that didn't really scratch beyond it didn't really dive deep into what we could talk about and i think also it, it might have been just a little bit early on in my podcasting career and my podcast experience where maybe i wasn't as vulnerable as i could have been and so then they didn't really share much either And so I, I don't blame them. Um, it just, we just didn't work. You know, that, mm -hmm. that particular episode didn't work. Another one I, I never aired because for whatever reason, they felt compelled to do the podcast because it, it was in the middle of the pandemic and we're on Zoom, but they felt compelled to do that from their car while they were driving. I thought, well, you know what? It was really hard to get this person. Let me just power through. Let me just try it. And the connection was terrible. So the conversation never had a flow to it. Finally, the Zoom connection dropped off and we tried to do FaceTime. And it was, it was just awful. It was just awful. I couldn't patch it and piece it together, you know, for it to sound at all. And so I just ditched it. And how did you train yourself to feel more vulnerable and comfortable with people they were talking to? Yeah, well, that's, that's again, my wife. So it wasn't necessarily training myself. And I mean, yes, I, I will take some accountability and responsibility for that and say it's my doing the work and just trusting that people will accept my story, right? But that was her doing. Like in the last year of our Our, our marriage before she passed away. It was a really, really tough year for us. And even through all the pain that she and I were going through and through the pain that she was going through from her cancer returning, she was like, you know what? You, you can be a better husband. You can be a better father. Here's how. Here are the steps you can take. You can talk about what's bothering you. You can talk about your feelings and you can talk about you know all the, t the types of things that you go through in life. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to bury it because that's what I've been doing since you know I was a kid through childhood trauma and things like that. And she basically was like, you're going to be taking care of our daughters. So here's how you do it better. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I kind of took that to heart. And that's actually why I did so many podcast interviews and conversations last year was because I needed to talk. I needed to talk to somebody or to some people about you know, what I was experiencing, because I felt like if I, if I can talk about it and people can hear it, then maybe it might help somebody. You know, there's a cliche of like, if I can only help one person, it will be worth it. But there is something to that because mm -hmm. I've done like my most recent episode was with a man who also lost his wife, but he lost his wife in uh, a crash involving an alleged drunk driver. She was pregnant at the time. The wife did not survive, but the baby did. And so in talking with this man about his experience, I can share with him what I've learned and I can learn something from him as well because as a family, we had months to prepare for my wife's passing. It was still sudden and surprising, you know, when and how it happened. But with something like cancer or a long-term illness or terminal illness, you have the gift of preparation. Mm -hmm. Even if you don't want to admit it, you're at least subconsciously 
preparing yourself for when it happens. James Alvarez, my guest, all they were preparing for was to start their family because they were three or four weeks away from the birth of their daughter. In a matter of seconds, and then hours later when doctors told him and their family that she didn't survive, but the baby did, that's all the preparation they had. When you get to have conversations like that and you get to open up, it, it's, it's really kind of interesting because you start to learn to embrace the discomfort that comes with sharing something painful. Then you realize how much of a gift that pain is because then you can share it with somebody and you can let them know that their pain is not exclusive to them. They are not the only ones suffering. Even if you don't talk to that person specifically or directly, then somebody listening might hear just might, might something. Identify. Yeah, yeah, might identify and and maybe it, it's you know we you know we rightfully have associated the word trigger with something negative, but it can be positive too. It can trigger something in them that say, "Wow, you know what? I'm not alone." And it's okay to not be okay. That's true. And very, very beautiful, which is then, yeah. <laughs> and how do you choose your guests? Uh, because I was going through your website mm -hmm. and I realized that there's a lot of veterans or people like written as survivors. Yeah. I mean, I look for people with stories. What's interesting is that when you get to a point where you've been in the business for five years, 10 years, or 20 years, and I say the business, news industry, or just media in general, because that's where my podcast generally focuses on is media personalities, which you know, five to 10 or 20 years ago would basically be news, right? But media now can be TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. And, and so I, I look for people with interesting stories to tell. What I like about that is more often than not, you've gotten to the place you are to be a media personality because of your story. And you've learned to either tell your story or you've learned to tell other stories by telling your own, you know, or, or by sharing yours. And so, even if on the surface it might not seem all that interesting, when you get somebody to start telling their story, it becomes interesting. Because again, we all have these unique experiences. Yes, they're unique to us, but they contain so many similarities to what other people are going through. When you start to realize how different we are in our sameness, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. it's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. Yeah, there is. there was one interview that I did for the RTDNA uh, I think was with Nas Perez. Mm -hmm. She's yeah. an entertainer. I, I, yeah, I follow yeah. her on uh, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. So one she... of my future podcast guests, hopefully, Naz, if you're listening, if you're listening, <laughs> please for some yes. wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she created a group of people who had broken hearts, like of mm -hmm. relationships, and, and it's people. I think that it's kind of dumb, but it's interesting how people can help others with this type of relationships, and I think you might be doing something similar to your podcast. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's empowering. When Again, when you just start sharing your story with others, it lets them know that they are safe to share theirs. Like I said, I get some people who are like, wow, I've never told anybody this, but, and then they tell this story that they've never shared before publicly. The power in that of just sharing stories and empowering others to share theirs is, it's, it's humbling. It, it, it's humbling because, you know, I, I spent many years in news, again, just sharing everybody else's stories, but not really telling mine because I didn't feel comfortable with mine. I didn't, you know, I had no, you know, I had no interest in sharing mine because I was either ashamed or embarrassed or whatever. And so when you put that aside or when you, in my case, give 
give that to God and let him deal with it and let him carry you to the next chapter. Is there any story that you told in your podcast that you feel that it sticks with you until today? Oh, wow. You might have a lot, but you yeah, can choose no, one. <laughs> I mean, I, there, I, I wouldn't say I have a lot. But just, I'm trying to think about, because, you know, I, I talk about losing my job at the end of 2019 and how it took me a while, but I, I realized eventually that it was a gift. The way I was living my life was almost to the point where if I hadn't lost my job, and then of course, two months later, my wife, we learned her cancer is back. Two months after that, the pandemic takes hold. It took a few months for me to realize, oh, that's why I lost it. Because then otherwise I wouldn't have been there to take care of my wife. I wouldn't have been able to, to take care of my daughters as they're going to school online. You know, all the different things that happened after that, it was, it was a gift to be there for them and to kind of rehabilitate myself as well and become a better husband and better father and just a better person. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I was still working the job that I was working, there is a distinct possibility that I, I could not be, would not be alive today. You know, what what was that, 2019? Then she passed away in, in late 2020. So here we are in Risk April of 2020. Yeah, it's only been a year and a half to, to two years. So much has happened in that time. So much personal development through personal pain but that's necessary sometimes have you done any interviews for your podcast in person only one yeah it, because i started it in during the pandemic i was mm-hmm. just focused all on zoom that it's good and bad in that yeah you want that in-person interaction sure mm-hmm. but you know if you're interviewing somebody five states away it's yeah good luck i can't afford that i can't <laughs> i can't afford to fly to them set up a studio and do all that so i like the access it gives me but then because it's zoom everybody there are a lot of people who experience zoom fatigue and they're like oh i don't want to be on zoom again <laughs> and then after like 30 or 40 minutes sometimes depending on how the conversation is going you can sense when people are over it. Whereas in person, I think people are more likely to invest more time because it's in person Mm -hmm. and they feel more of an obligation, if you will, to spend more time and invest more time. Mm -hmm. The only one I did in in person was with a designer and artist, uh, Dejanay Michelle, who, gosh, that was maybe four or five months after I started the podcast, but it was also after she had an accident in which all of her top front teeth were knocked out in a fall that also shattered a bunch of bones in her face. Oh my. Yeah. What she spoke of, her journey since then, because she was still without teeth, she's still to this day, a year later, without her top front teeth because there was so much damage. The strength and the courage and the faith that she has displayed through that, it's amazing. It's inspiring to the point where uh, she talks about in the podcast how she asked God, she's like, don't let any of my family get COVID, right? Don't, don't, don't come for my family. If you want to strike somebody, strike me down. And then she takes this fall. She's praying on it afterward. Like, why did you do this? Why did you do this? And God is like, you asked me for this, right? That's crazy. And so she wanted to do it in person, the, the podcast in person, because she was just, she's like, I'm not, I'm not a Zoom person. I'm just not a Zoom person. <laughs> So we, we set up in uh, like one of those common meeting rooms at an apartment building, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And just set up in there. And it was interesting because, again, it was the first in-person podcast I had done in a long time. And, when, and my first one outside of a studio. Mm-hmm. So it was really kind of interesting, but it was fun. 
would you say that you felt more vulnerable and emotionally connected to share your story and to get like the feelings that she was passing through? Yeah, not just her, but I, I feel like I can text or message almost everybody who's been on the podcast at some point or another just to kind of see how they're doing and check in and have it not be like, oh, what's this guy doing texting me or whatever, you know. I, I feel like every podcast I've done, because I come at it from a place of genuine interest and vulnerability, they feel that. So after the, the podcast is done, and I haven't kept count, but I'm, I, I think I've cried on in most of them. Yeah, you know, like over 50% of the podcast episodes, I feel like I've shed at least some sort of tear. And so that, that connects with people. Mm -hmm. it, connects with, it connects us with each other, and it connects us with, with listeners and viewers. That connection just keeps going. You know, where I can, I was just texting with Dejanae today because she's going through some stuff right now. And I don't feel like I'm betraying her confidence when I tell her what I was texting. When I tell you what I was texting her is that like you are right where you are supposed to be. You are right where, you know, who you are supposed to be. Don't apologize for anything that you didn't do wrong. You know, like she on her Instagram story today, she was apologizing to her customers for basically focusing on self-care instead of the products and the new designs and things like that because she felt herself breaking. You know, I think mm -hmm. we've all been there. Yeah. We feel ourselves breaking and society's encouragement is to just power through that. And I'm, I was guilty of that too, personally and also professionally. Hearing that voice, you're going to break, you're going to break, you're going to break. Oh no, but I'll power through, I'll power through, I'll power through. I can do this, I can do this. Team no sleep, right? That was the thing. Team no sleep. I'll sleep when I'm dead. And it's like, well, um, no, there is something to be said for self-care and there's something to be said for slowing down and focusing on your mental health and your personal health. Because, and I've said this to you know people in my life, take care of yourself because a broken you is no good to anybody, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you push yourself now because you feel like you need to or you should against your better judgment, then you're going to break and then it's going to be longer until you're there for those people you want to be there for. Whereas if you take a day or two or a week or two or whatever it is you need, then when you return to taking care of some of the obligations and responsibilities, it's going to be a better you taking care of those things and taking care of those people. Hey. Whoa. It's a very, Whoa, very, Beatrice. Whoa. very insightful podcast, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and just like to end this very insightful conversation, really. What is an advice that you would give someone right now? You don't need to be professional, personal. You've been through a lot of self-grown. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, my advice just in general? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Pick one wow. and just like... That's, oh, there's so much, we there's so many directions we could go there. My first thought, though, was to, it, again, it's cliche, but be yourself. And that's really difficult for a lot of people because, you know, we have an Instagram self and we have a Twitter self and we have, I, I don't know if your generation still calls it <laughs> Facebook, you know, we have a meta self. We do, we do. Uh, yeah, no. um, but we have, you know. We have who we are at school. We have who we are at home. We have, if you can just find who that person really is, then the anxiety that you carry when you go to school and you, you're like, wait a minute, do I have to be my school self here? Can I just be myself or my work self or whatever? If you can just figure out a way to just be yourself so that you don't have to put on these different masks everywhere you go, because all that does is create this level of anxiety 
Oh, I hope the school people don't see my work self. Oh, I hope the work self doesn't see my party self. It takes some time. Don't think that you can just wake up on a Sunday morning and decide, okay, I'm going to be myself. And then that's the last time you have to decide. It's a constant process. And it's not even just like you got to wake up every day. No, you. there are times throughout every day when you're going to be like, you know what, it's okay to be me. And then you go on to, you know, the evening. Okay. It's okay to just be me. I'm just going to be me. And that leads me to my next piece of advice, which is learn to practice forgiveness. Yes, for others who you feel like maybe have wronged you or wronged people you care about. And that's all well and good. Yes. But until you can forgive yourself for making mistakes as a person during your growing process, forgiving yourself is one of the most powerful things that you can do. You know, I, I, and this is something I tell my students on a regular basis. They want to come in here to the studio and be the best anchor possible. What I tell them is, yes, I want you to be the best you can be today understanding that you're going to be better next week if you keep working at it and in two months and in two years. Understanding that even if you don't feel like you were your best, forgive yourself for not being your best or forgive yourself for making mistakes. Because if you get hung up on, wow, I just kept making mistakes. Oh my gosh. Oh. Then you're never going to learn because you're beating yourself up for something natural and normal. You made mistakes. You're learning. That's why you're here. <laughs> That's why you're here is, is to learn. And that's why we're here on this earth really is to learn, to learn about ourselves, to learn about others, and to accept that others are learning and are growing just like we are and just like we hope that they accept us for being that way. Told you everyone, very insightful words. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you, Professor Bender, you, for being great. here. And everyone, I see you guys in the next episode.